Hi everybody, welcome to episode 29 of Toonsmate. I'm Ray. I'm Mark. And we're going to start this podcast. So Toonsmate's been around now. We've been doing this for a little over 11 years now. And so the official start of Toonsmate was a little over 11 years ago. But in a way... Toonsmate started almost 30 years ago. Certainly the connection that Mark and I have that started all this, the nights staying up talking about music and just, you know, following Billboard and following all kinds of different music stuff, even writing our own sometimes. All of this stuff started when we were in college. We became roommates, sophomore year of college. I was uh, my second year of Bowling Green and Mark transferred in to Bowling Green and we were set up as roommates. You go into this sort of lottery of stuff. They match people up as roommates. And so the summer before we got a little card in the mail, told you who your roommate was. And we did a phone call to kind of meet each other for the first time. And so we were on the phone and as we you know, we're talking about, okay, well, you know, and various things about when we finally get to the dorm room in the in late August. One of the things, Mark, that you said to me was, so who are your favorite bands? And I said, well, U2 is my favorite. You're like, well, yeah, yeah, they kind of, they might be in my, like my top five. They're pretty good. Who else? And I said, Van Halen. And you're like, no way, man. They're my favorite group of all time. And thus began the music discussions between the two of us that would eventually turn into Toonsmate. And of course, I bring all of this up because on October 6th, Eddie Van Halen passed away. And I think that it sort of sets the stage for us to talk about the significance of Van Halen, the importance of their music, why their music has resonated with people, all kinds of stuff like that, in large part because they're central to our whole thing here. Wow. I totally forgot about that phone call. Van Halen was there at the start of it all. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember vividly a couple things about Van Halen in the dorm room. I definitely do remember putting in the Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge disc, Mm -hmm. playing that, talking about all the tracks on there and how that came together. And I remember when it came out, it was, what was that? That was what, 91 or something? Summer 91, yep. And that was one of the first things I remember putting in. I definitely (laughs) remember you when we used to, we started, I guess, the beginning of Centune, when you would put in the the CDs of Van Halen and play like, I don't know, a half a second and say, what was that song? (laughs) And you got me on, uh, I think it was push comes to shove it was kind of like a disco kind of yep riff and i'm like i i don't know and i remember you played it like 15 times and it was killing me because i got everyone right up until that point (laughs) and now i know that tune if you play that that that, a millisecond of it i go push comes to shove yep we both remember that happening that event that night i I, we both i can still remember sitting in the room there and you were, you're like, okay, I know every, I can tell you any Van Halen song. And you get song after song after song. And I try to pick the most obscure one I could off of some, you know, off of one of the early albums. I tried to stay off of For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge or 5150 or 0812. Go back to Diver Down or something. Let's, let's go back to that, though. I mean, I know the first time I heard Van Halen. I mean, I vividly remember the moment I said, okay, I have to find out more about this. Do you remember the first time? The first time I ever heard a Van Halen song, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I mean, the first time that I can remember 
I remember the significance of Jump in 1984 and the song being a hit. Now, whether I knew much about Van Halen before then or not, I don't. I just don't remember. What's so? What's your, what's your memory here? Mine's pretty vivid. I remember because I believe the album came out in what January of '84. That sounds right. I remember. I was just. I, I don't know what day it was of the week, but the next door neighbors dropped the needle on the album around eleven o'clock, and the instrumental "1984" just reverberated through my house. I remember we lived so close to the next door neighbors. I mean, you can basically hear them breathe and eat or whatever they did. Right. And I just remember saying, what is this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was the intro to Jump. So I'm, I have no idea what's going on. And then I heard that Jump synth. And I think eventually, you know, somebody went over there and tell them to turn it down. But we had to at least get through the first full side of the album. <laughs> and that's when I saved up money to get the single to to jump from my paper route. So it was pretty vivid. I think that when you talk about the 80s and you talk about the songs that make the 80s, we've done one of these before. We talked about, you know, songs of the 80s. We've written about it on Tunes Mate. Certainly I do the daily 80s flashback and I think about the songs that are the, you know, the biggest hits, the most significant songs of the 80s. I think to me, there's no question that jump is in there. You know, if you go to like the top 50, top 25 songs of the 80s, I think certainly in the top 50 and probably in the top 25, you know, I'd have to think about it further, whether it would definitely make the cut, but I really think it would. I really think even potentially the top 10 of songs of the 80s, just because the feel of it, right? You said that, that synth part at the beginning, that riff that they play at the beginning, the keyboard part at the beginning, it's memorable. To this day, people know that riff and it captures instrumentation of the 80s it captures energy of the 80s it's one of the quintessential bands of the 80s when i first learned how to play keyboard in 1989 i was really building up to write music on the keyboard one of the very first things i learned how to play was that riff and jump and you know i just okay i'm gonna figure this out and i figured that out and so i think that yeah it makes great sense and you were right i I double checked it was january 1984 that the album came out there was something about that that just stuck with you. Yeah. And what was crazy about it was if you look up all the Van Halen lore around the song Jump, Eddie did use keyboards prior to this. It was sort of sounded like a guitar. So a lot of people didn't realize that he used keyboards. I believe I'm trying to think there's a tune called One Foot Out the Door that I think is one of the last tracks that there's a digitized sound on that. So, but a lot of people, it sounded like guitar. So people were like, well, it's probably guitar. Where when this came out, Ted Templeman, David Lee Roth, they basically said, you're a guitar guy. You can't do keyboards. And Eddie was like, no, we're doing this. And this was one of the first recordings he did in the 5150 studios. So there was a lot of pushback and everyone after the song came out said, okay, Eddie, you're right. And that really speaks of, Eddie Van Halen's genius is the fact that he's a visionary. I believe he even called Gene Simmons. Recently, I saw Gene Simmons was really saddened by his death because he saw Van Halen before he broke out. They did his first demo tape. If you look it up on YouTube, you can actually hear Gene Simmons' version of the demo tape before it got to Ted Templeman. And Gene said, Ed called him from the studio and said, Gene, you got to hear this song. And he's like, that's unbelievable. That's You've got to release that. So that song, Jump, 
if he would have listened to everybody else, who knows when that would have got released. Right. And what you mentioned with the keyboards there, I mean, that becomes a quintessential part of Van Halen. You know, so you think of any number of hits, Dreams, Right Now, that keyboard is part of what they do. And that combination of piano keyboards, something along those lines, and the guitar. And of course, as you said, Eddie was an innovator. And that's one of the things that's remembered about him is that whether it was finger tapping, the use of keyboard, there are any number of ways that Eddie Van Halen was a breakthrough artist from the 1970s right into the 1990s. And everything that I understand about his technique was just based upon sheer need of innovating because he didn't have much around. So with his guitar, he said, well, I, I didn't have any money for pedals, so I'm just going to make do with what I can. And that's how he created his Frankenstein, by just putting together different pieces of guitars. And I think he had the same feeling around synth and I'm going to use what I have and I'm going to basically what everyone says is he's a tone chaser. He's trying mm -hmm. to look for that perfect tone. And if you think about that mix of keyboard and guitar together, it really was about a specific sound, you know, getting something that would resonate and would be memorable. And I think he hit it on the head. Yeah. I think that's, as you said, the sort of, it, it resonates with people. That's a big part of what made Van Halen. And you go from 1984 was the album that sort of put them into superstar status. They'd certainly had hits and, of course, you know, a number of albums before them. But that's the one that really skyrocketed them to a level of fame and popularity that they hadn't had. And then they carry that through for a number of years. And it's really over the next four albums that's the heyday of Van Halen as a pop music group. You know, they had a, a hit or two even after that, even if you go to like the Balance album. But it's from 1984, 5150, OU812, and For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. That's about eight-year period where they are top of sort of the rock game and in the mix of the top of pop music as well. Certainly not, you know, pop music in the same way Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, etc. are but a steady stream of hits off of each album. The one that really strikes me, because of course, between 1984 and 5150, things change significantly. David Lee Roth is gone, and they bring in Sammy Hagar. Things change. You know, the feel changes with 5150, and a lot of that is the style of, of Hagar versus the style of Roth. Songwriting changes. There's still elements of the same, but it changes. And to me, as much as Jump was huge and phenomenal and my fondest memory as i wrote on Toonsmate when i wrote the, the quick piece about you know uh, commemorating eddie on his passing my fondest memory is you know jumping into the pool at a hotel pool in, in the summer of 1984 right on cue with david lee roth singing jump that's kind of the fun of that song you jump you know even he, he does it in the video but it, it's 5150 is the the album that made me a van halen fan for a while i remember in high school late 80s thinking if somebody at that point had said, what's an album that you think every track is good on? My answer would have been 5150. I loved every single song on that album. You know, there were the hits off of that, but even the stuff that didn't become a hit, it's the feel that that album has 
that carries then over. Uh, so I think when it's love off of OU812 really has a, which is the first single, well, actually second single off of, of, off of OU812, Black and Blue is the first one. But when it's love, the big hit off of OU812 really carries the feel of 5150 on. I mean, it feels like it could have been on 5150. And so, and uh, OU812 was pretty significant to me too, because 87, 88 is when I was getting into pop music really big. And of course it comes out in the summer of 88. And so to me, I think there's a whole group of folks like me who sort of came to Van Halen during those years, which is a little bit different than coming to Van Halen in the late seventies or coming to Van Halen in 1984. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And what's interesting about all that is recently Wolfgang, I mean, it was about a month ago, he tweeted, he said, this whole David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar battle. It's stupid. Stop it. You know? And he's, you know, he was basically trying to get at the fact that the one thing that I would say about Eddie Van Halen is that from day one, it was always about the music. He was a musician. His dad was a musician. He even said that on the boat traveling from his old country over to the U.S., they played music on the boat to make some money before they came over because they didn't have anything. And he even said many a times that he's going to play music until he dies. And if you think about it, his last concert performance, I think was 2015 Mm -hmm. and the talk last year, 2019, they were all ready to do a Van Halen reunion show with Mike Anthony. He accepted. Mm -hmm. They were ready to go do a stadium tour. David Lee Roth, Mike Anthony, Alex Van Halen, Eddie, and it was canceled. Everybody was like, well, you know, did they get into a fight? And it, as we found out a couple of days ago or a few days ago, it was all about his health that he just couldn't make it on the road. Right. But if you think about that, what he said was true. It was always about the music. And that's what I always thought about. I don't care if it was Gary Sharon, Sammy Hagar, Mitch Malloy, Patty Smythe, right. whoever was in there. He didn't care. He just wanted to create music and he was chasing for those tones. So whenever I hear about, well, you know, I don't like a certain period. Eddie Van Halen was consistent throughout every one of the records that you're listening to. So to me, it was always about music. And when I heard 1984 and, you know, heard that needle drop, I went back and I listened to everything else before that. I said, wow, what is this? You know, I discovered all those albums then they broke up and I'm like, now what am I going to (laughs) do? And I'm like, well, okay, I guess they have this new Van Halen that's coming out. I'll buy that. And from the first track, that knocking, it sounds like a knocking on the door, you know, the, mm-hmm. the why can't this be love? Mm-hmm. What is this? And I couldn't put it down. I, I think I wore out that tape front and back. And there's a famous story that I tell on Tunesmate that back in, I think it was 86 when that came out. Mm-hmm. I was asked to DJ this like eighth grade party a couple doors down. So I brought my GPX stereo system with my new Van Halen tape and I pressed play on it. And I was playing Why Can't This Be Love. I thought it was the coolest guy ever. And just as the song stopped, a fellow student walked up and said, hey, who was that? So I handed him the tape. He looked at it and bit it in half and said, I hate Van Hagar. And handed it back to me. Oh my God. And I'm standing there with this tape that I've been listening to for months in my hands, like just with the cassette out of it. I'm going, 
What just happened? Oh my god! <laughs> I think I put on "Walk This Way" with Run DMC and Aerosmith was my next song after that. And I just stand there with this tape like lifeless in my hands. Oh my god! Going first roll of DJing. Never let anyone ever touch any of your stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I immediately went out and I bought a new cassette the next day. So, I mean, that's an amazing story. And it's, it's, it was, it was your first, yeah. Who knew at that point where you were going to go with DJing, right? And like you said, you learned the the first rule of DJing right there in 1986. And, but it also speaks to just how, like you said, you know, to Eddie um, and to Wolfgang, you know, it doesn't matter who the lead singer is. And I think to there's a significant amount of Van Halen fans that feel that way. But there are these folks who really take that super seriously. You know, we have preferences. I mean, I tend to like the stuff with Sammy Hagar a little bit better, but I'm not about to like act like, oh, the stuff with David Lee Roth is crap and, you know, whatever, right? It's different. It feels different. It, it does have David Lee Roth has a different style than Sammy Hagar does, as I said. And guess Gary Sharon has a certainly different style. There are different feels to those records. There's different feel to the Van Halen sound. But as you said, this is Eddie Van Halen making music, chasing tones. One of the things that I've noticed a lot in, like on Twitter, seeing people remembering Eddie, it was almost, it was as if he was kind of willing to work with anybody, right? He just wanted to, to play with, play music, find music, write music. And he would do that with anybody. It didn't matter who you were. Uh, You know, when they interviewed, when they were going through possibilities for replacing David Lee Roth, and of course they ended up with Sammy Hagar, you know, they went through all these different folks. You named some of them. You know, I was just reading an interview with uh, Patty Smythe a month or two ago and, you know, talking about that they actually, you know, she was pregnant at the time and she passed on um, working with Van Halen because she thought it was just going to be for an album. But they were actually inviting her to, to potentially be their lead singer going forward. You know, and this is at a time, you know, and if I think about that, you think about the masculinity built into rock, you know, that might have alienated a number of fans for them to have had a female lead singer because of certain types of fans who are so wedded to their own masculinity that can't look past that. But that's not what it was about. That's not what it was about to the band. That's not what it was about to Eddie. It was about the kinds of things that you're talking about with making music. Yeah. And and recently, this was maybe two months ago, Sammy Hagar was like, look, quit blaming me about all the keyboard ballads that came out. I took the music that Eddie gave me and wrote lyrics to it. So, because there are some people complaining like, well, why is all the Van Halen music in your era, you know, this kind of keyboard, guitar, lighter sound? And Sam is like, look, Eddie wrote anthems. You mm-hmm. think about dreams. That mm-hmm. is an anthem. I mean, you take away the vocals, that is a bona fide symphonic song. And then you think about some, I mean, there's one that makes me laugh all the time is you even think about Mine Oh Mine, which was a tune off OU812. Yep. Think about the instrumentation in that song. Take out the vocals. The guitar solo itself sounds like a national anthem. <laughs> if you think about it, it ends on this. Da, 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 da. It's like this progression. So Sammy basically said, look, don't blame me. <laughs> I just wrote lyrics to it. Now, people kind of came down on Sammy's lyrics. I mean, think about Wham Bam Amsterdam. But, I mean, the music was always solid. 
Yeah, folks would make fun of the one line, only time will tell if we'll stand the test of time. Sometimes the lyrics were a little off, right, or goofy, but it worked. I mean, to me, it worked. And and it's like you said, this is the band working together. This wasn't Sammy changing things. And But, you know, there are these strong reactions that some folks have, like, like the guy who bit your tape. <laughs> the guy who bit my tape, yeah. And one thing that makes me laugh all the time, and I thought about this the one day because you hear a lot about, once again, Van Halen Me is about the music. I'm not trying to determine who is the lead singer. I always focused on the music. Right. But I go back and I was like, wait a minute. Hold, just just hold the phone now. Did you realize that both David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar, there are five songs each with the word love in it? Because they always say, well, Sammy's the one that wrote all the songs with love in it. But actually, they both have five songs each with love in it. So check it out. David Lee Roth ain't talking about love. Right. Feel your love tonight. Out of love again. Women in love. And so is this love. That's five. Sammy, why can't this be love? Love walks in. When it's love. Can't stop loving you. Don't tell me, parentheses, what love can do. Five and five. Now, you're exactly right. Now, the thing is, though, this is really in a lot of ways coming from the untrained fan or the person who's not paying attention to the, the depth. Because of the David Lee Ross songs that you mentioned, only one of them was a hit. And of the ones you mentioned with Sammy Hagar, all of them hit the chart. And a number of them were the biggest hits that they had with him. And so I think that that's where the perception comes, right? So, yeah, the big hits with David Lee Roth, right? Jump, Panama, Hot for Teacher, uh, you know, Ain't Talking About Love, I'll Wait. You know, the really the only one that people know, I mean, even Dance the Night Away, Pretty Woman, right? Ain't Talking About Love is the only one that like people who just kind of know it from like radio play are going to know. But you know, ask people, okay, Sammy Hagar tunes with Van Halen. Uh, okay, when it's love, why can't this be love? You know, they're going to, they're going to, and so I think that that's where the perception comes. It's because the big hits with Van Halen were the, with Sammy Hagar were the love song, were the one, ones that had the word love with them. I mean, even, you know, you talk about I uh, Can't Stop Loving You, right? That was their last top 40 hit. So I think that plays a role certainly in how that works. It's all about perception. So, and, and speaking of that, as we've been talking, something else came to mind. And I said that I really became a Van Halen fan with 5150, but it dawned on me that just must have been the, the love of that album that I had. I really loved that album. And like you said, you know, play the hell out of it. I used to just put that tape in all the time and play it. But I must have had, you know, it really must have been somewhere before that that I became a Van Halen because I had completely forgotten and I still have it, which is striking to me. When I was in seventh grade, I got a Van Halen wallet. Do you remember my Van Halen wallet? Yes. Until you said it, I never thought about it in 30 years. Yeah, I still have it. I can't use it anymore. Probably about 1992 or, or so, it finally fell apart. Like I couldn't use it anymore. I had had it for probably seven or eight years. I think it was seventh grade. It might have been eighth grade, but I think it was seventh grade I got it. So this would have been like, like 1984. So it would have been, you know, right when that album was out. And I got the Van Halen wallet because I liked Van Halen. And I used it until about, I, I think, 92 or so. And I finally, I, I mean... It, Everything was falling out of it. You know, I couldn't use it anymore. But I still I put it in a in a memory thing, and I still have it. It's funny how the more you start talking about this, which sort of go, takes us back to Tunesmate, right? That the more we talk about music, the more we remember 
the things about music that have been significant to us. And yeah. so like you didn't remember our phone conversation when I first brought it up and I had completely forgotten about my wallet. But we start talking about Van Halen and then all of a sudden, oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. And that, you know, I remember vividly, I know in college I went and I finally bought a copy of Thriller on CD. I think I found it in the used bin and I was like, I can't believe it's here. It's in mint condition. <laughs> and I remember putting it in and we were kind of cranking it in our dorm room. We always used to leave the door open, I think on the weekends or something, you know, mm -hmm. while we were playing. I can't remember his last name is, but his first name was Mark. Cause I remember that. And he comes in and he's like, Hey, I'll trade you for that. I'm like, no way, man. At the same time, beat it came on <laughs> and <laughs> that Eddie Van Halen solo came out. And I remember how envious he was. He's like, Oh man, just anything. I'll trade you for that. <laughs> I was like, no. And then it had to been maybe a week later where we had the four unlawful carnal knowledge disc in and right now was on. And he's like, Hey man, I'll trade you for that. I'm, I just looked at him again. I'm like, no. <laughs> he always stepped up right when the guitar solo was about to come on, you know, and I was like, Perfect timing. the main reason I don't want to get rid of this disc right, <laughs> right, right. right now. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And the other thing that comes to mind, and this goes back to um, the beginnings with you 2 and Van Halen. I remember years ago when I was living in Arizona and I was getting dental work done. I don't remember how this came up. Every dentist I've ever had knows me well and their assistants know me well because I have like horrible teeth. They all get to know me. I'm a regular. And so I was at my regular dentist in Arizona. The main dental assistant that he had there, she knew who I was because I was in there often enough. And we were talking about something and um, we were talking about music and she said this, but we were talking about you 2 and Van Halen because, you know, like I, like I started with for a while there, those were kind of like my two favorite bands. And she agreed with me and she said that you 2 is, is like soul music. It's like when you want to chill and you want to just, you know, I don't remember exact words. You want to kind of chill and relax and just feel like it was like music for your soul. It's like spiritual. And Van Halen is like, music that you want to party to when you want to energy when you want to just get up and and dance and have fun that's van halen and i was like yeah that's exactly how i feel and i think that again that goes back to exactly what whether you're talking whatever period you're talking about with van halen that energy is part of it and like you said what sammy said that eddie writes anthems that's exactly one of the words that comes to mind with so many of their songs. They're anthem rock types of songs. They're meant to be, I mean, they even have it. How do I know when it's not right? They've got the, the backing vocals in there to make it sound like almost like this is a crowd singing it. They're begging you to sing along with this, the way that they record the vocals. Yeah. And there was a recent conversation about that, that Sammy basically said that was when it's love was one of the rare songs where he actually sang along to mm -hmm music because him and eddie always had a deal where he would not do that so when he brought it to eddie and said look man I, you know eddie's like i love it it's great <laughs> and it's just a testament to that song and the one thing i started thinking about when you started talking about party music is the influence that van halen had to that whole genre of music you think about all the you know people hate this term but the hair metal clones that mm -hmm. came out right after mm -hmm. that 
with the extreme finger tapping and every band wanted to be just like Van Halen. And even some of the rap artists, I think about Tone Loke. I'll never forget the first time I heard Wild Thing and I said, wait a yep. minute, is that Alex Van Halen's drum? I mean, you hear that. And I believe when Alex Van Halen heard it, he said, isn't that my drum? So there were a lot of people that were surprised. And even Tone Loke said, man, we did this as a joke. We didn't think anything was going to happen with this music. And wow, that changed a lot. Yep. I mean, it really showed that, like you said, the influence that Van Halen had. They were, you mentioned the hair metal. There are plenty of bands we can think about from the 80s. Warrant, Poison, I mean, just Slaughter, go on down the list. This sort of, and you know, some of them obviously bigger success than others, right? Poison, pretty big success, etc. They didn't have, I mean, you know, they're still playing, etc. But they didn't have the, the lasting, deep significance that Van Halen has. And, and again, I'm, I'm not knocking somebody like Poison or, or somebody like that. I mean, and I'm not saying they weren't significant because obviously they had hits, but there was a depth to the popularity of Van Halen that in a way influenced that period. They influenced hair rock, but at the same time, I never thought of them as hair rock in the way that I would have thought of Poison or Slaughter or you know, Warren or you name it. It's funny because I was recently listening to an interview with Don Dockin and mm-hmm. they basically said, look, you know, we came out, we had some hits. I used to play guitar. We brought in George Lynch. We created this band. And one of the challenges they had as a group was the fact that they really didn't have a specific identity. They were taking things from other artists, you know, okay, well, maybe we should put our hair this way or dress this way. And Van Halen was a complete opposite where I'm going to paint my guitar <laughs> and these horizontal stripes and we're going to dress the way we dress. And it was very interesting how they definitely were trendsetters, not only with fashion, with music, with everything they did. And I think that says a lot that they knew they had good music. So everything else just fell into place. If you're the other way around where you're not really sure in your music, you're going to be trying to figure out how can we stand out? Maybe we need to do this or that. So I think it just, once again, just goes back to the music. Yep. Any last memories you want to talk about with Van Halen? I think to me, it's they continually, even with Van Halen 3, which everyone Mm -hmm. frowned upon, you know, Gary Sharon joined after Sammy departed, after they tried to rekindle with David Lee Roth with their greatest hits album. And there's a couple good tracks on there. Can't get this stuff no more was on there as a follow-up, Me Wise Magic. And then they came back with Van Halen 3, and it kind of fizzled. But it was a great live show. I mean, Gary Cerrone really did a really good job performing there live. And they were supposed to come out with another album. And then they came out with Andicott, A Different Kind of Truth. But, you know, they finally reunited with Roth. They came out with that album. And it looked like they were just going to keep creating music. And to me, I think a lot of people were holding out that there's going to be some new Van Halen music. And now, obviously, with with Eddie gone, it's it's just not going to happen. But there has been something circulating where Alex and Wolfgang are going to go back to 5150 Studios and look up new music and try to put things together. It just started me thinking about, is it going to be like the Beatles, where they find some tracks and they try to put some things out without him there? And I don't know what the future of Van Halen is. I mean, obviously, you know, Wolfgang has a new album that 
he wants to put out and get out there. He did a soul album. You know, who knows? I mean, Eddie Van Halen can never be replaced, but what is the future of Van Halen? Well, that's, I think, one of the questions is that that idea that speaks to your significance. As news was breaking, it was either later that day or the next day, Steve Vai tweeted a picture of shoes that were clearly recognizable as Eddie's shoes. And it, I may be misquoting it, but it was basically like, you know, nobody's ever going to fill these again. Some kind of music from Wolfgang and or Alex or, you know, whoever is going to go on. Certainly they may find old tracks or things that they want to turn into something, like you said, like they did with the Beatles stuff. You know, there may be some things in the future, but the depth of this, since everybody started seeing the news on October 6th, is that we all know the idea that somebody's a one of a kind can get to be a really kind of overused idea. But really, I mean, is there anybody else out there who's like Eddie? I mean, no, there are, there are other great guitar players. We can go down the list to Clapton and, you know, go right on down the list. There are other great bands, but Van Halen has a unique place in the history of rock and roll and popular music that an Eddie Van Halen has a unique, not only style, but just personality. And that's really what everybody's reflecting on is that we can do what we want, you know, but Eddie was one of a kind. And I think that that's, again, with Toonsmate, that's what we're all about. Mm -hmm. The joy of music. What does music do for us? Why do we like music? We look at the history of music. We look at the past. We look to the future. And Eddie's right there. Yeah. And back in 2015, Eddie did a piece for the Smithsonian talking about his guitar technique as a couple of his guitars were going in. And there was something very significant he said in that interview. He basically said, there's always room for new music. And it's up to this generation to shape the future. Because basically said when they came out in 78, disco was the top thing. And everyone said, how are they going to survive? But they were so unique in what they did that they were able to power through and and get out of that disco era. And and Ed said that during the interview. So I think now, more than ever, it's time for new music. It's time to use everything that was helped catapult the industry forward with what Eddie did. And like you said, that's what Tunes Mate's about. We're going to keep featuring new music new artists going back and reminding you of things that you forgot about your wallet right (laughs) and uh help everybody get through this time and continue to just keep you motivated and inspired and i think that's what great music does yep that sums it up well on that note let's uh close the book on this chapter on this podcast again keep reading the site we'll get all kinds of great stuff coming out tunes made every day every week like you said there's always new stuff there's always old stuff trying to mix it all in there. You know, you still got the working remotely stuff. That's great. I just love those things. You know, we're still doing the music to help get us through everything together. And of course, you know, Van Halen occasionally shows up in our daily 80s flashbacks as well. So keep checking out the site. We'll keep putting it out there for you. So I'm Ray. I'm Mark. And we'll see you next time.